bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas. Hi, everyone. It's Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to be your host for Talent Champions and excited about this week's episode. My guest is Casper Morick, and our topic is technology. Casper is the head of Learning Technology Americas at Siemens. He oversees the infrastructure and learning technology. Prior to joining Siemens, he consulted with large companies on learning technology, strategy development, infrastructure optimization, and corporate university development. I met Casper at a recent CLO symposium where he was easily the smartest person in the room when it came to technology. Welcome, Casper. We're so pleased that you're here. Thanks, Diana, and thanks for uh, such a nice intro. You make me sound very, very uh, smart, and uh, I appreciate people who do that. Oh, you're definitely (laughs) smart. I heard your answers to the questions on our panel talking about technology and especially learning leaders. I know we talked, we wanted to talk about technology, but first I'd love to get more information about you, your background, kind of what you do and how you got to the role that you're in now. Right. My background is, uh, I have a two master's degrees, one in psychology and one in uh, a master of business administration. Human resources was probably the, the thing that was closest to heart because my master's thesis were on communities of practice and learning theory and things like that. So, However, that was the dot-com boom days. So there really were not a lot of jobs around. But then the opportunity came uh, for me to get a foothold in the industry that I really wanted to be in. So I started with ADECO, and I was a branch manager in Copenhagen there, uh, doing uh, recruitment, outplacement, things like that. And I had a good time doing that for some years. And then, of course, the financial crisis hit. And... (laughs) Then the recruitment agencies, you know, they get hit really hard during crises uh, because no one is hiring, obviously. So uh, I was lucky, though, to get a position with a company called Vestas. And Vestas is one of the largest wind turbine manufacturers in the world. And so I worked in Sweden for Vestas for a few years where I was a training manager and also did onboarding of new employees. And then I continued with Vestas to become global head of onboarding uh, for them um, and uh, you know, had a really good time there. That company was growing tremendously, uh, like the wind industry is globally, especially in those days, we would hire so many new employees and you know, so I enjoyed that quite a bit. Then I found an opportunity with uh, Siemens, Siemens Wind Power in Denmark. It was sort of the same thing. They wanted me to do uh, some onboarding programs in their learning department, and they wanted me to do a process optimization. They wanted me to, uh, yeah, basically uh, run a lot of their high-profile training programs. So I had a great time doing that and a great boss during those years. And when he was offered a position in the United States, 
uh, I told him that there was no way he would be able to do that without me. Ah, smart <laughs> and, move. Uh, somehow he believed me and uh, brought me along. And uh, I got a position here in the United States and slowly worked my way to where I'm now, uh, dealing with uh, learning technology for the Americas region, which is um, South and North America. And so uh, I oversee uh, the, the systems that we have in place for learning, e-learning, learning management systems, uh, all the platforms that we have. And also I work with some of the processes uh, that we have in place, as well as uh, the infrastructure of our, of our organization and, and systems. So I've really been lucky through my career and uh, happy to be where I am now. Let's say I met you in an elevator and I said, Siemens, what does Siemens do? What would you tell me? What's the short version of who is Siemens? The way I usually describe Siemens is to say that it's the European version of GE. We are a large conglomerate and produce uh, products and services and software across very many different areas. So. We have a healthcare division called Healthineers. We have another arm dealing with mobility. Then we do power and gas. Traditionally, Siemens was built around electrification and communication. And they build large gas turbines, the kind that goes into power plants that create electricity. And then we also build all the systems required to then transfer all of that electricity out into the world, uh, transformer stations and so on. And that's just really scratching the surface. Like with these large conglomerates, we build so many different things. We, we have about 50,000 employees here in the United States and invest uh, a lot of money. I think it's around a billion in R&D in the U.S. Um, so large, large presence here, uh, really one of our key markets, really. And then across the Americas, uh, we're about 80,000 people total. Oh, that's, so it's pretty big. That's that's my short explanation. I think we're at the top floor now of that elevator we're in. <laughs> Thank you for that overview. So you started to mention a few of the things that you're involved in, and and the company is so large and vast, and and over a variety of uh, different things. Who who is the audience that you serve, and what are the major things that are on your plate that you and your team are in charge of? Our audience are all employees. And Siemens, and so uh, I'm specifically dealing with the Americas population, but I'm also very involved in many global projects. So of course, we collaborate globally on larger platforms like our LMS and, and so on. What uh, Learning Campus, as my organization is called internally, what we do is what we call business learning. So primarily things that are connected to job roles like uh, project management, sales, leadership, uh, research and development, software engineering, and all of these things. And we do not deal so much with things like uh, safety training and uh, what we call technical training. So learning about our own products. Uh, there are other training organizations within Siemens that focus more on that. And, and I'd love to, you know, better understand how you've seen things evolve and change. It feels like, you know, technology has continued to evolve and grow and move faster. You know, maybe tell us a little bit about what you've seen. And do you think this trend is going to continue? 
Well, um, when I came into the learning technology field, it really wasn't that exciting at the time. It was basically, well, we have a learning management system, deal with that, make sure it works. And uh, we have some e-learning, no one likes it, deal with that, make sure they <laughs> take it anyways. And since then, a lot of things have changed within learning. Uh, and development and talent management and human resources on a larger uh, scale. You know, technology development is not linear. It's not, you know, step by step by step, we continually grow. Uh, an example, the learning management systems that we have seen up until now really did not change very much over the last 10, 15, 20 years. It was almost a flat development curve. And now suddenly, a few things have happened to trigger tremendous developments within learning technology and uh, more broadly within the HR technology landscape. I think some of the things we, we all hear about, like artificial intelligence, has had an impact. That's why we see uh, what's called learning experience platforms or more broadly learning experience functionality. But in all fields, whether it's uh, recruitment or talent management, AI is certainly having an impact. I also think, just broadly speaking, there, I think there, there was some uh, investors who realized that when in, within HR technology, there were some big gaps. And that's not a surprise to very many of us. I, I mean, how many really think that we had a great experience with our learning management systems and our e-learning and our processes five, 10 years ago. Very, very few people really thought that was great. New players came in and suddenly they had a different mindset. They, they focused um, on other things, which I think is the second thing that has happened beyond just uh, certain technologies moving to a place where things can happen. I think also the mindset has changed. Um, we're talking a lot about experience, employee experience these days. And we're realizing how important that is for engagement. And we're, you know, we're also realizing how important engagement is. And so that combination of realizing we can do a lot better uh, when it comes to the employee experience with our systems, our tools, whether it's recruitment or learning or talent management, um, I think that combined with the fact that we now have technologies, tools, uh, methodologies for, for improving where we are, that all comes together. And that's why we're seeing a lot of development right now. And, and for the future, I think we will, for at least four or five years, see a lot of development. Then what happens after that, whether it flattens out that curve again, I don't know. But right now, it is very difficult to keep up that's how fast it moves, even when you're within the field. Yeah, I've been hearing from some of the, the colleagues that I've worked with is, do we really need an LMS? Should we be focusing more on what the, you know, the learner experience is? And, you know, how do they, do we need to track all of this? So it's, it's interesting what's out there and, and how people are starting to question and, you know, the need to learn more to decide where to spend your dollars and to really make sure that the experience is what your learners want. Um, one of the things that I've definitely seen, and especially as I, I'm coaching my 
uh, learning leaders is just, you know, the, the new workforce and, and how they want a more engaging experience. Do you think that has something to do with, you know, the, the technology changes coming? Yeah, you know, um, I think everyone, not just the new generation, expects more. Um, you know, the learning management systems were never created for learners, ever. They were created for learning administrators, and they did a decent job of that. It was not really built for the learners to have a great experience than going through the process of uh, booking themselves to training or uh, viewing some e-learning or finding some e-learning or browsing through the offerings that an organization had. And I think that's where where the gap was. And as things like Facebook and the internet, uh, you know, all our phone apps, iPhones um, developed, I think not just the younger generation, but everybody had different expectations. They're like, you know what? I have my iPhone and it's so easy to use that there is no user manual. You cannot, there is no user manual that comes with an iPhone. That's how easy and intuitive it is to use. And now you want me to go through your learning management system to do what should be the simplest task of finding two or three good e-learnings around, let's say, leadership. And, it, and I can't figure it out because you, you've set it up so that it's ugly and that it's difficult to use. And I think those expectations influenced the market quite a bit. And then some players came in and said, we can maybe not make a, create an iPhone for you, but we can do better than this. So the, the vendors like Decreed, Edcast, Pathgather uh, started out in this space of improving the experience, but now everyone is doing it. And to the question, if people need an LMS, I think the answer is yes, they do. The question is more, uh, where does it need to live within uh, the ecosystem of different applications that they have? Is it the front page for learning or is it just one of the many tools and platforms you have in your repertoire to, to manage learning? And I think uh, that's the more difficult question. Mm. Oh, I really like that focus on the learning experience functionality. And, and the evolution of the mindset of, you know, what it needs to do. Excellent points. For me, that is one of the best things that had, has happened within human resources, talent management and learning is that we're beginning to focus on the experience, especially when we talk about processes and systems, because we've always cared about our employees, uh, but we've traditionally tried to coach our leaders to become better we haven't really focused that much on the totality of that experience, which obviously includes all of those interactions that employees have with our different uh, talent management and learning and HR systems. So it's the best thing that has happened for us in, in many, many years, which makes it so exciting to be in this field right now. One of the things that has happened is we have so many different applications running and that changes things suddenly. When you have two, three different software programs that you primarily push out. You can focus on each of them independently. But when you have 10 or 15, you need to start thinking about those applications differently, much differently. You need to think of them as an ecosystem 
of, uh, of applications. And I think that is a major change and something that we need to learn more about from maybe colleagues in IT or other places on how do you manage all of these different platforms and make sure that the employees uh, have a good experience with them and don't see it as this fragmented landscape of, oh, there's something over there and then there's something over there. What's the difference and how do they connect? And what if I want just an overview of everything? So I think that's, that's a major change. And then I think uh, AI is already a game changer and it will continue to be more and more of a game changer because it helps us um, in, in that space where you can recommend courses or content to your learners based on uh, a number of different things. That AI will definitely improve the learner experience. It, it already is with many applications. Um, so, so I think that's definitely going to impact us uh, much more than it is today. Is there anything else on the horizon besides AI that you think you know is going to impact our, our talent champions and how they're working? Yeah, you know, it, it's really a difficult time for HR people in general and talent uh, people in general because it's hard to get an overview of everything that's going on and where to invest uh, their time, uh, energy, and money. Um, it, it, it really is not, it, it really is a good idea to have someone who spends at least some of their time in the technology space because talent management is going to be uh, technology driven going forward. Uh, that's that, that's what I believe. I think everyone in talent management need to embrace some level of understanding uh, within technology. I think Josh Burson also talks about this when he says, what is the new skill set of talent management and learning leaders in the future? And uh, the traditional values for learning people, it's instructional design uh, for talent managers. They need to understand organizations and people and leadership and such. But on top of that, they need to understand data analytics, right? We're going to get a lot more data about our employees. If we can figure out how to use that data, we will clearly be able to make better decisions uh, in the talent and, and uh, learning, uh, learning field. So I think it's a difficult time, but I think it's time for everyone to uh, get a little bit involved with technology at least. Yeah. And you talked about big data and, you know, having access to more information and data about our learners and our employees. How do you think that's going to benefit us in the future? You know, especially as we look at, you know, um, one of the challenges for talent champions is just measuring results. And traditionally, we've looked at Kirkpatrick and, you know, sometimes some of us have made it more complicated. But as more and more data is available about our employees and about, um, you know, what they like, what they, where, where they want to learn, what they're doing, how do you think that's going to impact the industry as a whole? Well, you know, I think the, the topic of how data will impact us is going to be significant. Um, and, and what I like to do is look at how data impacted marketing. You know, if, when I think of marketing as a field, I cannot help myself, but think of, uh, Don Draper, right. Uh, from Mad Men, the, the show, 
where he comes in and he says, well, uh, sit down, here's a bourbon, let's smoke some cigarettes, and I'm going to tell you about all the cool things that Heinz does, and, you know, they end up with past the Heinz, right? And, and that was how it worked in the past. Uh, that's how marketing worked. You come in, you dazzle them with your charm and your fancy uh, talks about how uh, things are going to work and why they're going to be effective. But that's not how marketing works today at all. Not, not at all. Uh, today, marketing is all about uh, click rates, uh, bounce rates. Uh, they have all of these metrics on what actually works. And that, what, that is what drives um, marketing today. Surely, there are still uh, creative professionals in the marketing and communication industry. And uh, that is still valuable. But it, everyone knows now, I think, that marketing is very much driven by data about how each of these campaigns work because they can. And I think the same thing is going to happen within learning and talent management. We're going to get enough data that we can see uh, whether, let's say, wind turbine performance uh, increases uh, when we train our wind service technicians uh, in a certain way. Uh, you know, we will be able to see with data from the wind turbine itself and data about uh, how people behaved within the e-learning they took or the virtual reality or whatever uh, people are using, we'll be able to see the effectiveness. So that whole Kirkpatrick and ROI discussion uh, is going to become uh, a lot more interesting, I think, because I think we'll get much, much closer to actually calculating return on investment. And I think that will drive such a big change in how we operate. You know, I have seen vendors come in and do the Don Draper. They come in, we're from this company, oh, we've done all these great things, and this is our methodology, and uh, it looks great, it sounds good, and it tastes excellent. Uh, excellent cookies and good, <laughs> <laughs> good coffee, right? But a lot of the time, we have no clue if it's effective. We just don't know. They, you know they'll have their little satisfaction surveys. Oh, all the people there loved it. But do we know whether that's because of the cookies or because of the effectiveness of the training? Um, to do that today is possible. But to do that is very difficult today because the collection of the data required to do it is not automated. And going forward, it will be. So I think we, that is going to have a major impact on how we do business in, in talent management and learning going forward. I think uh, looking to marketing and how that developed uh, might be a good analogy for that. Yeah, that's an interesting comparison. And, and like you said, it's a whole different world. And do you think it's a scary time to be in this, in this space or exciting? What's your, what's your, over, your outlook for the future? My outlook is extremely positive. And people don't get it, but I think that because we will be able to improve the experience of learning and of uh, our talent management programs, in, you know, in general terms, I think we'll be able to improve the employee experience because we're focused so much on it. I think we'll be able to measure what works and what doesn't because we get so much data. And I think uh, that makes it really exciting. You know, that report, the Future of Work report, um, which they come out with every year, World Economic Forum, it, it's a great 
report. It's 180 pages, so it, it's, uh, it's a lot to chew through. But the recent one said that um, while you know a lot of people will be displaced, 130 some million people will lose their jobs to AI and other things. But at the same time, even more jobs might be created within those fields. So we might actually see a net gain based on what's going on here. But here's the kicker. To do that, you know, about 50% of all employees globally will need up to six months training within the next five years to stay relevant. So when we take those numbers and then you go and ask talent managers and learning leaders, what is the average amount of learning that your employees do every year? I can guarantee you they will not say a month per employee per year, which is what we're talking about here. So I think there's a very bright future for talent management and learning going forward because there will be a need for us and we'll be better at what we don't already do. Great perspective. Well, talking about the future and the need to stay current and, and keep up on the recent CLO report, over 90% of the current learning leaders feel that technical competency is the number one thing that they need to improve on. And from day one in their job, they didn't feel that they were ready, completely competent. Um, What are some ways or some things that you would recommend to our audience uh, to become a little bit more educated about technology and to, you know, be able to stay more current so that you can understand how it is and needs to be impacting your organization? Well, you know, first of all, I, I feel it. I understand. I too um, had that feeling that, look, I need to get up to speed on a lot of different things going on right now. And so there are, of course, all the traditional methods of how to upskill yourself. You can go to conferences, you can uh, take e-learning courses, you can speak with your vendors to try and understand what are they doing. Um, But I found a simple trick uh, that actually helped me quite a lot, uh, especially within those fields of virtual reality, uh, adaptive learning, artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep learning, neural networks, and all these things. Because a lot of your vendors will come at you and they'll say, we're using artificial intelligence to improve this or that. Or we are doing virtual reality and this is uh, uh, our headset. What I found was that listening to vendors is okay. You'll learn something about what they want to do and what they can do. But it's also at times slightly misleading. And so what I did, I, I said to myself, I need to figure out what is this all about anyways? What, what is AI in the first place? Because everyone says they have it, and, but it looks very, very different. And so I went to Wikipedia. I went into Wikipedia and I uh, typed in AI or artificial intelligence. And if you do that, you will find an article about artificial intelligence. And it's not very long as, art, you know, as Wikipedia articles 
are, aren't. They, they're short, they're summarized, they're to the point. And they get really deep into the basics. They're, that's the foundation of what it is about. And then, of course, there are hyperlinks to other things. There are recommended articles. And by studying just the basics, the foundations of these technologies, I found that I was much better prepared for discussions with vendors. Yeah, I like that. Start with Wikipedia. But I love the simplicity of starting there because it's not so overwhelming. Yeah, that, I, I, I think it's such a simple uh, start, right? And it gets to the core of these technologies, not how they're applied at Netflix, not how they're applied at Degree, not how they work in your LMS, but what are they actually about? And that gives you a great foundation to then take it to the next level, whether you're going the direction of talent management or talent acquisition or learning. Great point. Great point. So uh, based on that, and, and you're talking about, you know, the, the need to keep learning and growing, what percentage of your time do you spend learning? Um, I think I spend between three and five hours a week. Hmm. Um, at least. Uh, and that that's things like reading, reading articles. I like to, sometimes I like to interview experts. That's one of the perks of being in a big company. When you call someone, they want to talk. So, <laughs> so I'm lucky that I can uh, call people maybe that I've seen on LinkedIn, whether they're authors or experts of some kind. And I simply tell them, listen, I am researching this topic and I noticed that you know a lot about it. Would you mind speaking with me for 30 minutes or 45 minutes? And then I interview them to try and learn what their thoughts are. And I also uh, speak at conferences now and again, and not just because um, I think it's fun, but also because to go and speak at a conference means you need to be pretty well prepared on that topic that you're speaking about. So that allows me to uh, uh, research even more um, and uh, then, of course, when you're at the conference, you meet so many interesting people and other speakers who have uh, great things to say. So, but I think it's up to everyone how they want, how they prefer to learn, how they like to develop. Are there any conferences that you would say are better than others in regards to our talent champions and the need for them to stay current and interact with people that can help them, you know, uh, continue to grow and learn? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> there is uh, obviously the biggest one is ATD. Uh, I think uh, ATD is good for um, relatively entry level people. There, is, there are, you know, a massive amount of different opportunities to listen to speakers. Um, then on top of that, they have almost every single vendor in the space uh, on that uh, floor of theirs. So you'll get to meet every single vendor in one go. Uh, so for that, I think that's good. If you're very senior, personally, I, I didn't find that much I thought uh, um, was great with ATD for very senior learning and talent leaders. For that, I like uh, Macy. Then I like uh, CLO Exchange, uh, I think is really good. I like the CLO Symposium. Uh, and I like Corporate Learning Week as well. Uh, there's also uh, Talent Management Executive Summit, 
I feel like these days, almost all, I haven't been to a bad conference in a long, long time, I must say. They've been focused on the experience for us as learners, right? <laughs> yes, they have. They've done something. Yeah. They're getting good. Yeah, because sometimes one of the challenges I hear from leaders is, one, they don't have the time to get away to go to these conferences, and two, maybe budgets are a little tight, and if they've got a development budget, uh, maybe they're allocating it to their team instead of taking advantage of it themselves. Um, I coach them all the time, you've got to keep growing, you've got to keep learning. I think that this ability to be a continual learner is critical to be, continue to be successful in the future. So I love how you threw out some ideas as far as, you know, find some experts, reach out to people, you know, look yeah. into ways that you can find people that are doing some things that you're not doing and, and learn from them. In addition to, I love the Wikipedia one. So uh, any right. other things that we missed in regards to resources out there to help our people grow and learn? Um, no, I think... Uh if you are a little bit creative about how you go about it, uh, you know, the internet is a great place. I would say that, uh, you know, if you don't have the money for going to conferences or traveling and things like that, that's certainly understandable. You know, budgets are tight everywhere. Um, but I'm not sure this topic of time is is a good one, is a good excuse. I, I'd say the, the question is rather, do you have time not to develop your skills within this uh, field, considering how fast things are moving? I'm, I'm not sure you, you have time not to, to, to prioritize simply and say other things will have to fall to the ground so that I can stay up to date with some of these things, if that's really what it takes. I think it's that important uh, right now. It, it wasn't five years ago. You know, the shelf life of, of knowledge within the learning space was long. I mean, you could come out uh, with a degree in instructional design in 1985, and you'd be perfectly fine in 2005 with those skills. That is not the case today. If you come out of university in 2012, uh, you are not relevant in 2018 in my opinion. You need to continue learning these days. Yeah, great point. Great point. Anything else that you would want to add in regards to advice to our talent champions on how they can harness this technology, um, how they really can make sure that within their organization, they have that right ecosystem set up? Is there any advice that you would give them? Well, um, like I said, uh, try to stay uh, focused on on the core technologies. What are the core technologies really about? I think that that's important uh, because if you just listen to the vendors, you'll end up buying every single application on the market, and uh, <laughs> that's just not realistic. So try and dig down to the the deeper foundations of of what's going on here, uh, whether that's within technology, or maybe for you it's digital transformation and the fourth industrial revolution or VUCA or all of these new things get in there and, and stay up to date. I think uh, there's so many exciting things going on right now. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm extremely optimistic about what will happen for our field, especially for those who embrace all of these new things. 
Great. Especially having people like you that are so willing to share and help others grow. So thank you for, you know, again, just sharing your knowledge. What, one of the things I love to ask my guest is just about, you know, who's had the greatest impact on your life? If you had to pick a person and say, you know, wow, without that person, I wouldn't be who I am today, you know, without their influence or impact. Is there one person that comes to mind for you? Oh, there are many people who come to mind. Uh, I've had uh, great mentors over the years uh, uh, and and, and learned a lot from, uh, from, from a, a lot of good, I've had good leaders. I've been really lucky. One, one of them was the, 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 the director who hired me in Siemens the, the first time. His name is Apar Khan. He still works for Siemens um, for our health and ears uh, division. And he's one of those uh, leaders who will push you really hard really push your capabilities um, and, and drive better results out of you. But at the same time, it's obvious that he cares and believes in you. So uh, he really pushed me through uh, a lot of development, whether that was personal, uh, like understanding politics of uh, large organizations or um, uh you know, anything I did, the standard was just so high. And, you know, such such good leaders uh, are just, you know, you need to hold on to those guys because they they, they really bring you forward. Um, the, the, personally, I can say that the times when I have developed have been the most difficult times of my life. Um, and... And sometimes because I was pushed through really difficult things with high standards. Um, but uh, you come out on the other end, uh, just uh, changed, I think, uh, in, in positive ways. So as we, as we get closer to closing out uh, this segment, is there any final piece of advice that you have for our talent champions? Uh, final piece of advice, uh, I think, yes, yeah, stay positive. This is such a great field to be in right now. Um, you know, I know that uh, technology is making it confusing and uh, there's a lot of uncertainty out there. Um, but uh, like I said, I really think that people like us in the talent and learning space are going to be uh, in a really, really good position uh, going forward. Uh, so stay positive and dig into all of these things. They, they're going to make our field much more interesting. Stay positive and keep learning. I love that. Every yeah. time I talk to you, you, you come across and you role model that about being positive and what else you, can you do to learn and grow? So love it. <laughs> so I feel like this, this podcast was just an introduction, introductory one. There are so many additional places we could go, and I would love to invite our audience to sub submit some questions, and then maybe we can bring you back and we can go deeper in some you know hot topics that are going on right now with our listeners. Would you be up right, for that? I'd be, happy to. I'd be happy to, Diana. Great. All right. So how can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more about what you're doing and tap into some of this uh, amazing knowledge that you have, Casper? Well, um, I try to stay pretty active on LinkedIn. Um, so if you search for Casper Mork, um, there are not a lot of Caspers in the United States. Most of them are in cartoons. 
So uh, if you search for me, I'm sure you'll find me. And uh, I try to stay active and share my thoughts. And I'm always happy to connect with new people uh, to uh, see what they're up to. So I think that, that would be a good space. Thank you so much, Casper. It's been a pleasure having you here. And definitely, I'm keeping you on the list for a future podcast. That sounds great. Thanks for having me, Diana. You're so welcome. Have a great week. Thanks, you too. I look forward to having you join us on our next Talent Champions podcast, where I will be talking to Mary McNevin, who has built a successful career as a talent champion on the power of networking. Yes, really, networking. So come back in two weeks to hear her advice and tips for building, nurturing, and leveraging a successful network. You won't want to miss this one. Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show, please visit talent-champions.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review wherever you get your podcasts.